0: This is lighthouse faith podcast moving forward in truth and love i'm lauren green chief religion correspondent for fox news channel and author of the book lighthouse faith well fathers have an incredibly powerful influence on their children even their absence is spelled as a profound loss on a child's soul and then there are fathers of course who are physically present but emotionally distant unapproachable or even abusive and that is a tragedy as well but a father who is a child's hero whose legacy is a model of the strength of faith and love, is a precious thing for a child. It can propel this child to realize his or her talents, but more so it helps the child understand more about, um, because of their earthly father can be, they can understand um, more about their heavenly father. And that is why people's attitudes about God are, are oftentimes reflective of how they view their earthly fathers and their relationships with them. Grammy award-winning and multi-platinum Christian artist Michael W. Smith has written a book about his own father, um, whose death in 2015 was a profound loss, but since then he has reflected on the power of his father's unconditional love, his integrity and perseverance, and is honoring him with a book called The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God. And Michael writes, my father was my hero, the kindest, gentlest man I have ever known, the person in my life who's always the most like Jesus to me and consistently reflected the qualities of Abba, Father. And Michael W. Smith joins me now. Welcome.
1: How are you? Thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that very much.
0: You. It, the book is really wonderful in that it is so, uh, I learned so much about your father. I learned so much about you uh, because of that. Uh, how much in writing the book had it kind of helped you for the grieving process of losing him.
1: Uh, well, I thought I, I thought I had grieved most everything out of me, but I, I found myself getting emotional writing the book, you know, recalling all these stories about my dad. I knew, you know, I knew when he developed dementia, uh, was diagnosed with dementia in 2011. Uh, I knew I had to start recollecting all those amazing stories about my dad, you know, but, it wasn't until I actually started writing the book. Uh, 2020 was a great time to write a book, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I found myself getting emotional, especially reading the audio book. I mean, um, I still miss him terribly. He was a, a force to be reckoned with. When I say that he was, he, he, he was so tender hearted and he was, as you said, he was, he was the, as, as I say in the book, he was the kindest man I ever known He be to be my dad. So He taught me a lot of what God's like. I know that sounds odd to some people, but he was—he was pretty incredible. And I know he had his faults. Uh, I just didn't see very many of them.
0: Yeah, you know, he not only influenced you. I mean, you talk about how many people he influenced. I mean, I mean, he—you know—people stop you in the grocery store, and you think they're coming to you to ask for.
1: An autographed it's like
0: oh i just love your dad and your mom <laughs> it was that kind of influence I,
1: yeah he he uh, always said he that him and my mom were bigger celebrities than i were here in this uh, small town of franklin tennessee right outside of nashville yeah i still to this day people still stop and talk to me about how my dad had a, a profound impact on their lives and you know he just served you know he just really um he was present with everybody. I I felt like there was no ego with my dad. It was, he always wanted to know about how that person was doing, or he's always serving in the church or he was at the homeless ministry every Monday night. You know, he just, even here at the house, I just recalled that when, you know, we have 16 grandkids, it's, it's insane around here when they all show up, I call it the beautiful chaos. But when he was alive, who was in doing the dishes? My dad was doing the dishes. He just always was at the sink at the end of the night. So he just, that's just kind of who he was. And he came from that, Barney, he came from that great generation. Uh, you know, when you were sick, you went to work, you know, took right. care of mom, right. care of us. He just, that work ethic was, uh, was pretty amazing. So I've got some big shoes to fill. Well,
0: you talk about your grandchildren running around there. How much of an influence on them do you see um, he had through you,
1: you know, well, I mean, we'll have to see, you know, <laughs> my oldest is my oldest grandchild is 14 and my youngest is one. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the way that I'm father, that I fathered my kids and kind of being a grandfather, I, 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 I find myself doing the same things that my dad did. Uh, it's funny, my mannerisms sometimes, I, I, you know, I'll do something and I go, oh my gosh, that was my dad, you know. Um in the, so, day, in the
0: end of the day, we all kind of grew up to be our parents, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I love being a grandfather and my dad loved being a grandfather. He really did. He just um, he had nicknames for all my grandkids, he had nicknames for all my children, which I have five. And uh, yeah, he was a fun. He, he laughed and smiled every single day of his life. And his glass was always half full.
0: Wow, that's an amazing thing, considering that, you know, he lost his dad suddenly when he was 16 years old, that's a heavy burden uh, for a young man to have. And yet, half full, I mean, this joy in his life. How did he handle that um, and, and and gain this incredible faith at the same time?
1: Yeah. Well, we talked about it, I mean, several times all growing up. Um, I mean, it was obviously very, very difficult, um, losing a father at 16. Um, I think his faith was his anchor, though. I mean, I think that's really what got him through that uh, awful time of losing a father. And then, you know, the responsibility, which I, I so applaud him for what he did. You know, he, he was a great baseball player, wanted to go play major league ball. He was incredible. Everybody talked about how great my dad was. And, and I, I really believe he could have played. But he gave up that dream because he came back and took care of my grandmother, his mom. And he felt like that's what I've got to do. I've got to take care of my mom. That's what he did. So, um, yeah, but I just think his faith, his faith in God just, he was, he was plugged in and he kind of knew what was important. And I think that's, I think that's even what got him through this whole, you know, he, he had an awful back He broke his kind of fractured his neck in a football game at 23, all these guys thinking they get together and go play some football. And, you know, so he was in pain a lot of his life and I could tell he was in pain and, but he never, he never complained, you know? So uh, sometimes I would just go, gosh, Dad, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, but he, he managed to just push through it and it's pretty extraordinary.
0: How much influence did he have just who he is and his faith and his love for you? How much did that have to do with your Success in the music world?
1: I mean, I, I think, I think, I mean, obviously, I was born with this gift playing by ear. I was like, you know, I could hear a Beatles song and play it. And, you know, I just was just musical. I mean, I was not only an athlete, but I was a musician. And then 15 years old, I knew, I felt like I had this gift. I think I'm supposed to do this for the rest of my life. Didn't know what the rules were, but you know, it's a long story. But, you know, moved to Nashville and met a girl named Amy Grant. And all of a sudden, I'm on the road. and. Uh, and making records. But I think my dad, he affirmed me my whole life. And so I always kind of felt like the, that not only did I feel like that the Lord had my back, but my dad did too. He just was, he just would, I tell people it's so funny because the only time I ever saw him really get mad was when my songs didn't go number one. He couldn't figure that out. And I'm going, dad, that my songs can't, all my songs can't go number one and he would say things like well why not son you're the best you know he'd say things like that you know so to be affirmed your whole life you kind of feel like you can climb any mountain out there that looks like, it, like it's unclimbable I just feel like I could do anything and I think a lot of that came from my dad and my mom as well
0: um, I was just listening to one of your, your top hits, Above All, and it just struck me after reading part of the book, how much your dad's light is in that, that, that in order for a person um, to understand God's love, like on that level, and to really feel it, you almost would have had to have a father like yours. How much of your father is, is in your songs?
1: I think probably more than I know, um, you know, I've written a couple songs, especially lately, about my dad footsteps being on the million light and- at least in one this this week called Dusty Road that kind of kind of goes hand in hand with the book a little bit. This just kind of reminds my dad that whole blue collar uh work ethic you know growing up in this little town of Canova, West Virginia um, yeah, I would say that. I probably won't know until I get on the other side, but he certainly has been an inspiration. And, um, yeah, to to continue to do it and do it as long as I have, um, I think a lot of that has to do with my dad, honestly.
0: You know, one of the most poignant uh, stories in the book you talk about, and I hadn't realized the connection between you and uh, Marshall University, and you talk about, you know, the, 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 the plane crash. And if anybody doesn't understand, know the plane crash, go see the movie, We are Marshall, and that will help you. But, but Google it and it was the 50th anniversary just past November. and just the impact that had on your father. and it was like the first time you saw your father actually weep. Um, describe that moment to you when you realize you know your father had that level of a depth of emotion and gravitas and you know the impact of something like that on, on, his, on his soul.
1: Yeah and on cool. you. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was 13 years old, and we'd heard about the crash, and we—I mean—we were literally out there probably 20 minutes after it happened. Um, uh, you know, my dad—I never saw my dad cry much. I don't know if it was called that generation, you know. He, but I—I I know he was emotion, emotional on a lot of levels, but I just never saw him. I never saw him cry. I only saw him cry two times, and. Saw so him tear up during this moment, and then when his mother, my grandmother, passed. Um, and, but, you know, and I probably saw him cry in his last years of his life. So I take that back. But that moment in the car, uh, you know, because we were big Marshall, we were Marshall University Thundering Heard fans, we'd go see the games. So it was that, that, that university's 20 minutes from my house. I went to Marshall for a semester and a half. So, um, but I just remember when, when, you know, it was raining and it was, I'd never seen that many emergency vehicles. And we'd actually walked down and looked over the hill and saw all the fire everywhere. And, you know, you're just, it's, you feel like you're, this, gosh, this this stuff only happens in a movie, you know, and you're, you're kind of in shock a little bit. And I remember we go back and sit in the car and then he, we noticed one of the firemen, cause our fire department, the Canova fire department was one of the first people on the scene and we recognized while well, the guys and I just I remember my dad rolling down the window going, Was that the football team? Because we knew they had played that day. And my dad just had this funny feeling, you know, just going, Was that the football? Was that Marshall? And that guy said, I think it was. And your heart just sinks. I mean, just like you're just, just going. And I watched my dad just fight it so hard, just going, Like, and it's, it's, I don't know what happened, but just something happened. Like my dad was like, You know, it's okay. It's we, this is our moment together. I, I still can't fully explain what happened there, but we, we knew that the town was going to die. And probably under our breath somehow we were praying, oh God, please meet us in this, this day of, of unexplainable tragedy, you know. And so it was a quiet ride back to the house for sure.
0: Um, I watched you sing... Uh the national anthem at the 50th anniversary and I just got the feeling that it was hard for you to keep it together um was it or you know am I just imagining that
1: yeah it it was you know and I you know every time I go back to Canova which is about every year I go back i always go out to the crash site I just always do that I don't know why I just feel like I I just go recollect and I pray you know for those families still that were affected by all that um yeah and it, when i was there for, because that's the first time i because they do that every year they stop the fountain that's out there and it's a it's it's pretty overwhelming but they had all the pictures of all the players uh and the patrons you know there were co- not only players and coaches but there were prominent families the uh, doctors and their wives and you know, the Booster Club people that were on that plane as well. There were 75. And so just to see their pictures hanging up and um, yeah, I was like, whew, I gotta I gotta go back inside and like, I gotta keep it together. You know, but but it was, honestly, it was difficult. It really was.
0: Um, we're gonna take a break right now here on Lighthouse House Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Michael W. Smith talking about fathers and his father in particular, the truths about God as well. We'll be right
2: back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, Show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/lighthouse today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp hel lighthouse BetterHelp.com/lighthouse. And we are back uh, with Lighthouse
0: Faith podcast, and Michael W. Smith talking about fathers and his book, The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God. Um, you know, Michael, your music is just internationally. I mean, it is incredible the, the length and width and depth of, of the influence of your music. I mean, do your kids and grandkids understand what kind of influence you've brought to, um, to the world
1: through your music? Well, uh, you'd probably have to ask them. <laughs> I mean, I think they, I mean, I'm, I'm so, um, you know, I live, I live a very normal life, but I live an extraordinary life as well. You know, the things I get to do and that's yeah, crazy. Traveling all around the world or being at the White House. And, I mean, but my kids just see me as dad. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of, it's pretty normal around here in terms of being, you know, I don't have bodyguards, and I don't let people drive me everywhere. You know, it's it's so much. Yeah, but me, I me, but mean, do. they don't know
0: you're a celebrity, or they don't uh, they don't treat you like a, like you know this world famous celebrity and uh, put out red, red red carpets down wherever you walk. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they know that I'm a celebrity, but but I don't I don't I don't play that card around here. You know, I don't really like playing the card anywhere. You know, but I'm just dead you know, yeah. and I've been active and been active in all their you know, upbringing. You know, I had the two week rule that I would never be away from my family more than two weeks. Even if I had to go to Europe for two weeks and come back and then go back a month later, I just, uh, you know, so it was just a priority right here. And so we're very, very close, but you know, I think when they, you know, they're all excited because, you know, my book is out and they're, you know, they, it, it, you know, every once in a while they'll say something going, dad, man, you must, Live an extraordinary life, and I go, Yeah, I do, and I'm very, very grateful. But, um, I like being a dad more than anything else.
0: Now, you've been you've written other books. Is this really the most personal book for you? Um, because you really talk about you know meeting your wife and um and your dad, and is it seems more personal than than other books?
1: But you tell me, probably is. I mean, I've been personal with other books like Place in This World and This Your Time, It's Time to Be bold was one of those, but no, this one. This one was, uh, yeah, because I just, just the nature of what I wrote about and and recollecting all these stories about my hero, about my dad. So it was, um, it was difficult. It's not the right word. It was, um, it, it was, it was hard to write, and so it was. It was a joy to write, and it was hard at the same time. So, um, but it yeah. certainly has. It certainly has. Brought back all these amazing um, memories and stories that I actually forgot about what my dad did on that certain day, and I throw literally through baseball every single day, every single day. If we weren't at the ball field, we were on the sidewalk out front throwing ball. You know, so I'm starting to remember some of the things that I actually forgot, and I'm going through a bunch of pictures that were found by my aunt Janice. Uh, of my mom and dad and my dad playing baseball. So I've, I have, I've had so much fun going through those pictures and really brought back some great memories.
0: I want to go back to the idea because you talked about this before a little bit, but this idea of sacrifice. And it seems to me that what your father did to give up some of this dream of playing professional ball. I mean, he was in the minor leagues. It's not like, you know, he had this you know pipe dream about being a professional baseball player. He really was a talented player. And yet the decision to give it up, to be the family man, to provide for his family didn't seem to be a hard decision and yet we seem to think, we, today it's that that's so foreign, we've got a very individualistic kind of society today and culture today that you don't give up on your dreams, you you know pursue your dreams and everybody else has to sacrifice, but that was a decision he made that didn't seem, it seems so counter-cultural for us, you know, um, did it seem, does it seem odd to you at any, at any point in your life Or do you think because he sacrificed, he didn't want you to sacrifice giving up on your dream?
1: Yeah, you know that's a good question. Um, I mean, he just did it because it was the right thing to do, Um, and I think he, um, and you know what, and he didn't have because he did the right thing. He never he never really got any sort of momentum of going. He never he never did it for five years, you know, or like some musicians do it. And then all of a sudden it's over, you know. Um, I kind of think he lived out his dream through me a little bit, though. And it was baseball and I've made the all stars every year. I was actually a pretty good ball player because my dad taught me everything I knew. And then what's so great, though, is that when I, I thought and I thought I thought it would really be hard for him when I decided not to play ball anymore. If he was mad, I never saw it. He all of a sudden became my PR agent, you know, and so and, you know, became my biggest fan and would embarrass me, you know, even before I moved to Nashville, you know, just, you know, telling people how great I was and going, Dad, you don't have to do that everywhere we go, you know. And so, um, so, yeah, I think just his his, his enthusiasm for what I did, it's pretty, it's just remarkable, so.
0: You know, you talk about, um, you know, God's um, truths about God that you learn really through your father. And, you know, for so many people, they don't have the kind of earthly father that with those kind of attributes. I mean, you know, I've talked about in the introduction about some people who have absent fathers, but people have never known their father or they have fathers that are abusive. How do you see, how do you have that right relationship with the heavenly father? If your earthly father is, is, either not there or is definitely, um, you know, under, under standards.
1: Yeah. Well, that, 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 that was the one, um, that was the one thing that I really wanted to get right in this book, because I know I have a lot of friends who had horrific childhoods and I just, and I, and, I, and I'm not going to, everybody's got a story and I'm not going to pretend to know what kind of pain people have gone through. Um, I just know that there's a way to not only survive it, but thrive and forgive the one who abused you. And because c- I've seen, I mean, i I watched my mom do it. I mean, my pastor, Don Finto was, had a horrific, God's mentored me for 38 years, had a horrific childhood. He somehow just found this beautiful way to let God father him. And my mother did the same. She did the same. She was eight years old and, um, and her three younger siblings, uh, D, Pat, and Bill, they were six, five, and four. And they were in my grandmother's car. And my they were a block from the house. And my grandmother said, get out. Just get out. She was not a very good mom. She said, get out. You're walking home. And she drove off. And she never came back, ever. She never came back. And so. You know,
0: did they ever know where she went? Did she ever contact them? Like, why did she leave?
1: She just split. She didn't want to be a mom anymore. She just left. She left. She left my grandfather and she left her children and, and she was somewhere up, up North and up, you know, I think she stayed more in contact with aunt D and, you know, I, I learned all this obviously after, you know, my mom and dad got married and born and find out that, you know, that my real grandmother left my mom and, you know, what's And my mom just found it, She just, I think, honestly, I think her faith is what really did it for her. I know that beyond a shout, doubt. she just, I mean, we would talk about, that and her mom doing that. And I remember my mom said, you know what? I just was determined one day with my faith in God that when I get married, which she knew she was going to marry my dad, they were high school sweethearts. When I have a family one day, that's not ever going to happen to my children. And I don't mention this in the book, but I, I recollected this story when I was 20 years old, my Aunt Pat had passed away of cancer and I was 20 and we went to the funeral and my real grandmother was there. And that's the first time I'd ever met her, and it's the first time my mom had seen her since she left. And and I wanted to sort of give her a piece of my mind. <laughs> I was a little <laughs> ticked off because I just wanted to go. Do you know what you did to my mom? But I, I didn't. I just buttoned my lip and I I I didn't say anything to watch my mom love on my, love on her mom at that funeral. Cause my mom, had her. my mom had forgiven her. And so the power of forgiving the one who abused you is pretty powerful. And, and I think that's why my mom's extraordinary as well. You know, she just, we don't, we don't know why those things happen. Why does God allow certain things to happen? Why is he, you know, just you have all these questions, but you know, okay, this is the, this is the hand I've been dealt. So how do I deal with it? You know? And I think God has got to be in the picture, you know? Um, I still know a lot of friends who still are having a hard time, you know, doing the forgiveness thing and they're, and they're bitter and they're miserable, you know, honestly. So, but my mom is probably the perfect example to watch somebody who went through a pretty awful childhood when your mom just leaves and, and watch my mom thrive her whole life.
0: Um, I'm just fascinated by that whole scenario of forgiveness of family because really that's the only way we any of us can I mean this idea that um you can hold on to anger and think you're going to be okay um and especially when it comes to a parent and and one of the things that's so apparent between you and your father's relationship it wasn't this sort of Drop in and do the big thing, and let's go out. to, You know, like it really was a day-to-day micro kind of relationship where it wasn't just the big picture, but it was all of these daily activities. And it shows the sort of—I mean—that's the picture I get from your book. You know, is, is that how you wanted it to be?
1: Yeah, we we just we did things together. I mean, we we did life together. We, you know, he just didn't work and not show up and say goodnight every night. I mean, it was just, we were involved in church, we loved music, we loved baseball, we went to Cincinnati Reds games, the Crosley Field in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and we just did, we did life, we, we just did life together. And he wanted to do that. He wanted to be with me and my sister. And, and, the, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm the same with my kids. I just want to be with my kids. And I think the only way you, this whole thing comes down, Lauren, to me is that it is is the whole Jesus part of it. When you, when you get the whole part that you're not, that he not only loves you, but he actually really likes you. And he's very fond of you. You, it, it changes everything. And then you, as you mature in your faith, you realize it's not about you. And the greatest joy in your life is giving your life away. And just serving others. And, First and foremost is your obviously your faith and family, and and that's been my second priority, other than God. Just how can I nurture my family and prepare them for this crazy world that we're living in? How do you prepare them to be able to not only survive but to thrive and and to and to be givers and go change the world? So, I think that's what my mom and dad did, and I think it's why my dad just he loved being a dad, he loved being a father, he loved being a grandfather, and he adored my mom and just to watch them as they even got older holding hands. And every time that if we were in downtown Franklin, they had to, you know, we were just going over to this restaurant and dad, we're going to meet you there. They always had to kiss. and just a little peck, a little kiss. these just little terms of endearment thing that the things they did their whole, and I, I observed and watched that my whole life, you know, so I just learned so much from him. And, and I, that's what I love about the book because the book, as I said earlier, I, I believe I did. Is that my, doc, my dad? It really taught me what God was like in a lot of ways, and so it, it, these stories about my dad and I equate that with the father heart of God. And my hope is that somebody will pick up the book that that maybe has not had a good dad and can really find a way to forgive and to. Um, it's not too late. I think you know, especially if your father's still alive. Uh, or if you've got an estranged relationship with your son or whatever it is, it's not too late.
0: You talk about something that really shows the character of your father um, when your baseball team lost incredibly. And he had said at the beginning of the season that when you win, you'll go to DQ, Dairy Queen, which is, of course, being from Minnesota, that was one of my favorite places to be. My dad (laughs) took us there too. But then you had the greatest loss that you'd ever had, like what thirty to zero or something
1: like that. Yeah, the first game we were awful. So, and he took you to Dairy Queen. Took us to Dairy anyway. Queen. And fifteen, we lost fifteen games in a row, and we went to Dairy Queen. So, because we, I, I remember him coming into that dugout, and we'd all, you know, our heads are hung. And you just saw it was the end of the world, and and my dad would just say, "Boys, we'll get him next time. Let's go to Dairy Queen." And and. It's so funny because we walk in Dairy Queen, all these people, these, these, these teams would look at us like, What are you guys doing here? You don't deserve Dairy Queen. You don't deserve to be here. We just annihilated you 30 to nothing. And then the last game, I, I remember I was on second base. I remember I scored the winning run and we won our last game. And my dad walked in that dugout and said, Boys, great job. Let's go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> 16, 16 weeks in a row, we went to Dairy Queen. So.
0: Well, Michael um, W. Smith, I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This has been so delightful um, to have you here and talk about your book. The book is called um, The Way of the Father, Lessons from My Dad, Truths About God. Um, You know, it's just a reminder how a father's presence and his love and strength, and you don't have to make a gazillion dollars. You don't have to buy your kids five pairs of tennis shoes. You just got to be there and just love on them. And so that's what this book is really about and love your children, love God, um, love life. And uh, that can be the best, the best preparation for life. Any kid could have. I agree. Thank Great you so time. much. And um, thank you for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This is Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.
1: Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.